Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Ryan Lavagnac. A veteran of the health and fitness industry, Ryan has spent over 14 years studying the human body and how it moves. At one point in his fitness career, he was squatting and deadlifting over 400 pounds, but his butt wasn't showing it. Then his knees and back started giving out, and his hips were so tight he couldn't sit cross-legged on the floor. After seeing various physical therapists and taking educational courses, Ryan stumbled across a couple of amazing practitioners that opened his eyes to how the body truly functions. That's when he realized that he was squatting and deadlifting with his back and knees while his butt and core just sat back and let it happen. From then on, he's been on a mission to help people change the ways they move in order to help them reach their aesthetic goals and keep a healthy and strong body while they're at it. In the episode, Ryan explains why it's important to build a stronger butt, mistakes most people make when attempting to strengthen their glutes, big misconceptions surrounding fitness and nutrition, and more. But before we get to the episode, I quickly want to share one of my favorite resources with you, Dry Farm Wines. Did you know that alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post ingredients or nutrition facts on their bottles? That's how they're able to sneak sugar and other additives into their products. Fortunately, Dry Farm Wines has come up with a solution. Their natural wines are lab-tested to ensure they're sugar-free, lower in sulfites and alcohol, and also free from other industrial additives. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wine, even the top-rated, expensive, conventional wines can give me headaches and just make me feel overall kind of gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm Wines, you're going to be immediately hooked by the flavor and quality of their products, as well as their top-notch customer service. To get a bottle of Dry Farm Wines for just a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment or click through the link in the show notes. All right, it's time to hear from Ryan. Enjoy! I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I love your Instagram. Um, If people follow me on Instagram, they may have seen me reposting your stuff because you have so many great tips and very specific tips um, for training and so you don't get injured and especially to train your butt, which we're going to talk about. Um, But I would love if you could start off by telling us all a bit about your background and specifically what led you to become a personal trainer in the first place. Yeah, I mean, that we can go back um, quite a ways. It's just... um, I was always into science and sports um, and uh, actually went to college. I I studied dietetics and nutrition, um, 
and wound up dropping out of college because I didn't, I didn't really enjoy um, where I thought that was going. Um, and then went back to my college job. So I'm kind of flashing forward a few years here and um, saw an ad in the paper for personal training school. And so I always thought about personal training. Um, but what I heard was basically you pass a test and then you're, you know, out on a gym floor and you're telling people how to exercise and, and you haven't really had any real training behind that. And I just wasn't really very secure about telling people how to do things without experience. Um, mm -hmm. So this training school called NPTI popped up and it was relatively new <clears throat> and it was basically a six month program where you go in like you're in college for training and you're going, I, we, I did a six, this six month program was 20 hours a week. So I'm going there two days after work, two evenings for five to six hours, and then a, a full Saturday for six months straight. And so you're trained by trainers. You learn the whole curriculum. You actually train there. And so it gave me what I needed to feel more confident going in and, and being able to actually know what I was talking about. Um, and, and that was it. That um, really started my career. And I always wanted it to be a career. There's a lot of people who get into training just like a side job. And um, that wasn't really my um, my intent, and so now, fourteen years later, I'm I'm still still personal training. Um, it's more of a widely accepted career now than it was when I started. Um, mm. But um, but yeah, that's my my the gist of my background. Um, throughout that time, I've worked in a number of uh, big box gyms. I started off at an export, then I worked at a, a really cool gym called David Barton Gym, um, really trendy. And then I worked for Equinox for a while, um, then was independent at an independent studio. And then I actually opened my own gym for um, about a year and a half, uh, six months before COVID. Uh, yeah. So a business partner, uh, a colleague of mine <clears throat> and I opened the gym and um, he actually is still running the gym. We decided to part ways uh, a little over a year ago. But, um, yeah, it was just a, it was kind of a obvious for obvious reasons, a bit of a struggle yeah. to open a gym and, um, try to build clientele. We had 6,000 square feet, so we had a big gym to fill wow. and, um, we hit COVID, which was obviously a big, big challenge. And, um, and then after a while, we, we just decided to kind of part ways, like a lot of business partners <laughs> tend to yeah. do. Um, and now I'm back working independently. <clears throat> so I'm in um, Chicago. So I'm back in um, in the city. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you need when you decided to open a gym, you didn't anticipate that a global pandemic would happen. <laughs> you know, I listened to so many people talk about you know expect the unexpected. You Ugh. know, everybody expects the, the the best case scenario, and I'm like, no, we're going to plan for the worst. We're going to plan for the worst, and then you're like, <laughs> oh wait, I did not. yeah, yeah. This this <laughs> one didn't cross my mind. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like you've pivoted though, which is great. Um, when you said you're a career personal trainer, mm -hmm. but then you've worked in the big box gyms, is there a way to tell if you're going to a gym and they have trainers there? If it's somebody, I mean, I would imagine a career personal trainer is probably more experienced and better than somebody who's just kind of doing it a couple hours a week. Is there a way to tell or? Um, I mean, you got to talk to the people. Um, I would okay. get to know them first. Uh, you know, if I was going to go into a gym and hire a personal trainer, 
and this is coming from my own person, right? Not my trainer person. Like I'd tell you yeah. to like get a trainer right away. Um, I would probably wait a little bit and I'd just watch people, um, you know, watch them work, watch them work with clients, listen to them talk. Um, mm. you know, if you're working out next to them, you can always hear them what their, what their language is like. Um, and then, you know, ask to, to have like a, a session or something with somebody and, and get to know them too. Uh, so that you have an idea of, you know, what kind of experience they have, who they're working with, how they're working with them. <clears throat> and then, you know, it's, you, you can't really tell who's a career trainer. A lot of people do get into training, think it's going to be easy and then, you know, decide that or, or realize it's not and, you know, pick another, another career. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, some things for me, some, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but like people will definitely be like models will personal train on the side and then they're going to modeling gigs and, and then they're getting their real estate license and they're, you know, people who are doing multiple things, you know, mm-hmm. when you don't, when you focus on everything, you, you don't really focus on anything. That kind of right. thing happens a yeah. lot, happens a lot in my industry. So you've got personal trainers who are also massage therapists who are also yoga instructors who are also, um, you know, models, and then they sell houses on the side. And (laughs) it's like, okay, (laughs) are you good at, are you good at any of them? You can't be great at all of them. So, um, hopefully if they're working with you, they're good at the training part, right? Yeah, exactly. To injury or, yeah. Um, and some of them are, you know, I don't, I don't think everybody like that is, is bad, but just for me, I I always liked to focus on one thing. I, I wasn't somebody who was, um, working at a gym and seeing clients outside and have a side job and doing, you know, all these other things. I'd like to really own in on something and, and make sure that I'm, I'm doing the best I can at it. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And when you were talking about how you wanted to feel very confident in doing the 20 hours a week and for six months, I was thinking not every trainer probably does that. So it's, you know, no, that's it's great on yeah. you. <laughs> I even had um, my first my first manager actually ca- didn't call me out specifically, but he said, you know, how you become a personal trainer is like, it's very easy. He's like, don't make the mistake and spend the $6,000 on, you know, the, the, the training school. He's like, you can become a trainer for 300 bucks. Um, do that and then get your experience. And I was like, you know, some people want want to feel like they actually know what they're doing before they're actually out there. <laughs> So, right. You're like, hey, dude. Right. <laughs> Take it <yeah>. easy. <laughs> I thought I was doing the right thing. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, you went about it the way that works best for you. And it's yeah, great because yeah, you got sure. a lot of experience that way. Mm-hmm. And then why specifically did you start your Better Butt Lab? So um, there's a couple reasons. Um, I've always just worked with a lot of people who have injuries, whether they're dealing with current injuries, previous injuries, coming out of physical therapy, um, or even just um, challenging cases. I'm a challenging case myself. I've got um, three knee surgeries. I have hypermobility syndrome. So I have a lot of joint issues. Um, And so I've always just empathized with people who have a hard time. They don't just pick up weights and they get bigger and in better shape, right? They have to actually do things strategically, um, so that they don't hurt themselves and they actually get the results they're looking for. Um, so I've always worked with people that have been a little bit more of a challenge. Um, and so through that, 
I've gotten really good at understanding like the human body and how it works. And through my own experiences working with a lot of physical therapists and, um, um, and doctors that are, um, really, um, really amazing at what they do. I've gained a lot of experience personally in, in helping people to get certain parts of their body working that haven't been. And one of those is, uh, people's butts, like people have a hard time using their glutes and their core. And so I, when I came out of, um, my, when I left my gym that I opened up a couple years ago, I decided that I was going to try to create a little bit more of a brand instead of just being a personal trainer who trains people. I wanted to be known for something. And what that was, was basically helping people who struggle to find good help when it comes to moving well and getting over injuries and, and not getting hurt while they're working out. And that was just, that was great. And I think it has a, um, a, a great value, but it was also kind of boring. So, so I'm like, well, what do I always have to do with these people? I'm like, I'm always working on getting their butts to work better. Um, and their and their core, but I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to start this better butt lab. And I'm going to tell people like, like, we're going to get you a better butt, you know, and it's, and it's, it's just was a way to spark people's interest. Like I'm doing the same thing as I would have been saying, Hey, I can help you move better and feel better. But I'm also trying to tap into a little bit more of that, um, the, um, the emotional side of it, right. Who doesn't want a better, butt? like I've gotten a better, butt doing the stuff that I do, I've always had a small, butt, and, um, over the years working out, I used to use my back and my quads a ton. And, and once I started really understand how to use my butt, my hamstrings, my core, um, not only did it take a lot of the stress off of my hips and my knees and my, and my back, but I actually do have a, a it's not a big butt, but it's a bigger butt than it was, mm-hmm. um, which I always wanted. I was always yeah. jealous of, of, of guys with like big solid asses, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it's not just a woman's thing. Um, yeah. and so I know that I can help people get the aesthetic part of it, but I can get them also to have a more a butt that actually works better that actually does support their back that helps them free up their their hips from being so tight and um helps them to have healthier knees so their knees aren't getting beat up and um so that when they go into a group fitness class they're not just walking out with um a body that feels like beat down um they mm. can actually use the right musculature to do the exercises and actually um get the most out of those classes and actually maybe have a butt that they haven't had before. As that, you're talking, yeah, so, yeah sorry, it kind of reminds me of um, how people talk about your core. Mm-hmm. And how a strong core can affect all different parts of your body. And I guess your core is very close to your glutes or maybe mm-hmm. it's the same thing. I don't know. Some people um, will, will call them the same, yeah. but. Okay. So it sounds like aside from vanity reasons, mm-hmm. it can be extremely helpful to have strong glutes and a strong core? It can be extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, for a number of reasons, um, posture wise, uh, you know, as we move through our environment, our environment is extremely bland. It's extremely predictable and it doesn't require a lot of, um, energy or thought, um, to move through. And that's exactly why we have exercise, right? We don't have exercise. Isn't like a natural thing. It's, 
It's, right. a, it's a way to compensate for the fact that we don't move. Um, like maybe we did 5,000 or uh, 100,000 years ago when we had to navigate, you know, through our, an environment that doesn't have sidewalks and steps. We had to build our own stuff. We had to like, we had to move all, all day, every day. Um, and so what happens is our bodies get very, they're very energy efficient. So if we sit and stand all day, our bodies are going to figure out how to sit and stand in postures that don't require a lot of energy. And our butts require a lot of energy. Our core, the way that it should be functioning, will require a lot of energy to keep it up. And so what happens is we get very lazy in our posture. We use our joint structure a lot more. And we don't use our core. We don't use our butt. And then what happens is we forget how to. Because we get so good at not using it, the pathways, the neural pathways from our brain to those areas just aren't hardwired as well. And so when we go to, say, the gym, we wind up using a body that's used to or built to sit, stand, and basically just walk. Um, mm -hmm. So you're trying to lift without your, your butt and you're trying to lift without your, your abs or your core because you haven't used them while you've been sitting all day. Um, and so to restore these things, we have to really look at the postures. We have to look at alignment. We have to look at what we're doing day to day and see what we need to do to reverse it and put ourselves in a better position to actually use our, our butts more. Our butts are going to improve our metabolism because if I squat without using my butt, without using my core, let's say I use 17 muscles to squat. When I get my alignment in the right way where my butt has to work and my core has to work, we're talking like 20, 30, 100 muscles now that are actually working coordinatedly together to make sure that my structure is sound and supported and that my butt is actually moving the weight. Um, so I'm going to burn a lot more calories that way. And it's actually going to save my joint structure. So I'm not going to have as much wear and tear on my spine, on my hips, um, my knees, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of reasons why people should be searching for a better butt that doesn't just look better, but actually works better. Um, performance, like if you're playing golf, like it's your butt that's going to, you know, hit the ball in some senses. It, it, you, that's where you're going to generate a lot of your force, your butt and your core. Um, mm. And if you don't have those, then you wind up using your shoulders and your back. And a lot of people have back issues um, playing um, playing golf or any rotational sport like tennis or, um, you know, if you're out playing basketball with your friends, things like that. You know, it's going to help you a lot when it comes to performance and it's going to help you with um, reducing the risk of injury. I even read one time, correct me if I'm wrong, but runners could really benefit from doing more strength training, especially lower body to avoid running injuries. Yes, totally. Um, for two reasons. One reason, if you're stronger, then every stride takes less from you, right? So if you're thousands and thousands of strides in like a marathon, each stride will be just easier because you're stronger. So it takes less energy. Um, it takes less out of you. So you have more strides available. Um, and then the other thing is, like I said before, our bodies get very used to things that are repetitive. So when you run, what happens is your body will start to get used to that pattern and it'll find ways to save energy while you're running, which can be beneficial to a point, but it's when it starts becoming non-beneficial is when 
it's your body starts again relying on its joint structure and losing its ability to um I don't want to say move freely, but we get stuck in these patterns. And once you get stuck in a pattern, there's a lot of wear and tear. So you'll see things like stress fractures or plantar fasciitis or um, iliotibial band tightness or you know medial or lateral knee pain, things like that that are that that would lead to believe that your body is mismanaging stress and it's stuck in certain patterns where there's certain wear patterns. And so strength training, if done right, can actually take you out of those patterns and restore mm-hmm. movement that you've lost so that your body has <clears throat> the ability to um, express movement more freely than, than it does if, you, if you're not doing that. And so you can limit um, injuries that way. Interesting. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to strengthen their glutes? I know you post a lot about squeezing oh yeah <laughs> i've been i think i've been taught that right when you're doing a squat or you mm-hmm. know, squeeze your butt on the way down or uh, so i think i do that so what are we all doing wrong specifically when strengthening our glutes so um yeah the whole butt squeezing thing i like to to describe it as you know if you're doing an exercise that's supposed to work your butt and you have to mentally squeeze your butt to feel it then the exercise is probably not doing its job. Mm. So that come that's where like the posture and alignment come into play. If I have you do like a lunge or a squat or a deadlift, <clears throat> and I make sure that you are in the right type of posture and alignment, your butt will have no, no um, option but to work. Mm. And if you're not, then what's happening is usually your back's taking over, maybe your quads are taking over, your neck is taking over. Other things will tend to take over um, because your butt's not used to working. And, and so those other things might be used to working more. Um, so I need to be able to put you in positions that force your butt to work. And when that happens, you'll know it because your butt's going to be working a lot and you're not going to have to think about squeezing it um, consciously. Interesting. So when you get up from a squat and you squeeze your butt, it's probably your butt's not been working. <laughs> yeah. Bummer. So, yeah. And it's, you know, unfortunately it does take a little bit of, of practice and, and understanding like how to, to manipulate the movement to make it work. Um, which leads to another thing like sitting back on your heels doesn't make your butt work more. Um, so a lot of people say, you know, sit back, sit your butt back, stick your butt out and push through your heels. And what I know, when I see people doing is I see people falling backwards. And if you're falling backwards, then you're not stable. And mm-hmm. what a butt should be doing is pushing down through the ground. It want, you want to be able to push the floor away from you and um, make sure that your butt is underneath you so that your glutes have leverage. So the more you start to stick your butt out in a squat, the less leverage you have, the more of your back you're going to use. Um, those are some, some similar or, or, or some, some things that usually are coaching cues that get thrown around and they may be valuable for somebody who is not getting their butt back enough, but they're not very valuable for everybody. Um, yeah. And there's like that stuff with everything. They all these blanket blanket statements that, um, you know, they do have value sometimes, but they're not something that everybody should be following. 
What about if you just watch an instructional video <laughs> online and somebody's trying to coach you coach you through proper form? Mm-hmm. Can that be helpful, or is is that still not really? Helpful? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's a step in the right direction. Um, it really depends on the person. Like the things that I've noticed is if the person themselves has worked through challenges to get their butt to work, right. And has worked through these things and has had a hard, you know, somebody who's had a hard time really recruiting their butt and they've actually figured out how to get it to work. That person's probably going to be able to talk you through it a lot better than, you know, sometimes you have these people that look like, you know, this, the, the, the Greek God, who's like a perfect body. And they're probably the ones that are modeling on the side and they've never really had to think about is their butt working or not. Right. They work, work around with an amazing, butt. they look great. And when they squat, it just works for them. So, so those people probably haven't had, you know, for you, like if you have somebody who's never dealt with weight issues, like it might be hard for them to coach somebody um, to lose a bunch of weight if they've never actually done it. Um, this is the same kind of concept where if they've never coached somebody or themselves through it, um, then how are they going to troubleshoot? So if you do have a problem with this, you know, not everybody needs a ton of coaching. Um, some people's bodies just move really well. Um, I'm talking about the people who, who don't and who do need a little bit more individualized attention. Um, you know, any instruction is good. Yeah. It makes me think of my dad when um, he would try to help me with math. It always came easy to him and it did not to me. And he would just say, this is what you do. This is Mm -hmm. the algorithm. You just do it. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And so we had all these disconnects with math homework. But that makes a lot of sense that Mm -hmm. if somebody... Can, has had the struggle themselves and has worked through it and they've actually felt the difference in different positions that they could coach you through that. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, I was somebody, I just, I did not use my butt. I did not use my hamstrings. I did not use my core. And I can think back to like pre-high school. I was like, wow, this really started early for me because I was having issues when I was that young. I was having issues with mm-hmm. my feet. I remember certain situations where, you know, playing football, I just, I just didn't get it. Um, like I, like I do now, I was like, you know, I could have used a lot of this help actually as like a 13 year old and, um, but, but the people who are coaching me, it's not like they were telling me to do things wrong on purpose. It's just, they didn't have the perspective. They didn't understand, you know, why I was weak, why my shoulders hurt every time I bench pressed or why my knees or my back would spasm or when I squatted or did lunges, they didn't understand that stuff. It right. was, yeah. So I've been through it all. Um, I've been through way more than, than I care to, to talk about, but, um, it just gives me some perspective on like, Oh, you're not feeling that when you're doing blank, it looks good, but you know what? Try this because mm-hmm. I know that even this little slight change in, in posture or change in the way you're leaning or something like that could be the, the difference. And it could be something so simple. You mentioned uh, squats, deadlifts, and Mm -hmm. lunges. Are those kind of the best butt targeting exercises, or are there some lesser known ones that are favorites of yours? Yeah, so those are going to be like your bread and butter. That's where you want to be able to get to. You want to be able to get to doing those exercises and doing them with a lot of weight. 
Um, but in order to get there, sometimes it takes some other things to get you to a point where you can actually do those exercises and get the maximum benefit from them. Because they're whole body exercises and because when you're using your whole body, your whole body likes to cheat. Your brain loves to make things easier. And usually it's going to use its back. It's going to use its knees. It's going to use its structure. And so you have to build up to a point where those exercises become very efficient. And that's what I do with my Better Butt program. We don't do lunges or squats or deadlifts in the program at all. Um, the program is really to get you to the point where I, where you feel comfortable doing those things and your butt's still working. Um, so I do a lot of exercises that are directly targeting the glutes, um, making sure that they're loaded properly. They're able to actually handle your body weight load in different positions um, so that you don't use your your natural habits or tendencies when you're moving to use your back or your knees or your hip flexors or whatever it is you use to leverage. Um, so we take it um, step by step and really um, not just give you the alignment and postures that you need to use your butt, but then to start to condition your glutes to work more and then to get them to cooperate with other muscle groups and to make sure that we put it all together so that when you go into a lunge, or a squat or a deadlift, it's your butt that's giving you, um, that's, that's moving the weight. Um, it's your hamstrings and your core that's supporting the, the movement so that your quads can still work, but it's not, they don't take over and maybe your back yeah. works, but it doesn't take over the, the movement. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one -on -one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest misconceptions, would you say, that people have about getting fit or getting stronger? Um, misconceptions. Uh, the, the biggest thing I see, because I live in like almost downtown in the city, is the, the group the group classes. Um, a lot of these group classes are catered to make you feel like you're getting a lot of work done and that you're burning a lot of calories. And a lot of people are kind of chasing their tail doing this. Um, so they go into these classes and they try to just bust their ass as much as possible because whether they're punishing themselves for their weekend or they think that they're going to lose five pounds in one day or whatever it is, um, they've got their watch that counts their calories. It's like it didn't count if they couldn't count their calories. And I think they become a little bit more over obsessed with that. Um, yeah. It's the whole quick fix kind of mentality where um, – 
you wind up in the same spot a year from now because you've been kind of chasing your tail, trying to figure out this quick fix kind of thing. Um, and they don't usually strength train enough. And if they strength train, they're not really strength training. They're just taking a class that says it's incorporating strength training, like a yoga sculpt or something where you, they hold three pound weights while they do yoga or they hold three pound weights while they do spinning. And that's not real strength training. Um, it's just a way for, for people to market, like you're getting more than you're getting more for your money, but you're really not, you're getting less because it's, it's like I mentioned before, when you focus on too many things, you focus on none and you can't put four different styles of workouts together and get the benefits of all three. You just can't, um, the body doesn't work like that. It's like so, when it's like cardio strength yoga or something. It sounds right? great. Yeah. You're like, oh, great. I'll do all of these things that I hear are good for me. All in one. Yeah. In 45 yeah. minutes. And then you don't have to work out for a week. Right. No. Um, right. It's just it, what it is, is it's too good to be true. You know, and I and I know why people do it. And I fall into this category sometimes, too, where I, you know, I like I want the magic pill. I just know the magic pill doesn't exist. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, so I think people should be a little bit more skeptical. Um, people should really figure out what it is they want and why they want it. Um, whether like, what are they trying to get from their, from their fitness, um, from their exercise routines, you know, from their diets, um, you know, which, what, which is what you cover, you know, why are you doing it? And then, you know, work backwards from there. Like what is the outcome you're trying to accomplish and then come up with a more strategic plan. Um, that's a little bit more long-term and you, you know, like maybe you're looking at six months to a year from now. Um, and then you, you set smaller, um, more easily achievable goals as you get there. But, um, just kind of chasing your tail is, is not the way you want to, you want to approach it. So people will say the best exercise is the one you'll actually do. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? I mean, what if somebody's listening to this and they think, oh, but I really like the class at my gym and I'll actually go to that. Do you think that's better than nothing? Or like, would you like to see everybody doing some strength training? Um. Well, yeah, both. Um, <laughs> okay. I think it's always, yes, it, it, something is better than nothing. Yeah. If you want to set the bar that low, then fine. Like, but you also have to be realistic with your expectations. Right. So if you set a bar low, then think low expectations. And that is totally fine for somebody who's a beginner who's really struggling. Like, yes, do anything. I don't care if you're doing 10 minutes of exercise um, instead of nothing. It's something is better than nothing. But once mm-hmm. you start doing something, then what? Right? So if it gets you doing something, that's awesome. Do it. But then what? If you're comfortable and happy with where you're at, then that's that's up to you. It's your life. But if you're looking for more, then you need to figure out, well, now how do I do more? Like, what do I need to do to to get to that next level, to that next step? And that's that's totally fine. Take small steps. You know, it's it's you know, it's something that you want to change from a lifestyle perspective. Um, you want to start to slowly become that person who is, you know exercising more or fitter if that's who you want to be and sometimes it it takes longer and honestly sometimes the longer approach is is better for people it's longer lasting um Mm -hmm. i always think strength training is better than any other form of exercise though um i'm biased in it but it it's because you can do so much with it 
there's things that strength training provides that no other exercise will provide. Mm-hmm. And it's easily manipulated. I can manipulate a strength training workout to challenge you cardiovascularly so that you actually get a cardiovascular benefit from it. I can sh- manipulate my the strength training routine um, or areas of it. If you're working out for an hour, I can do certain things that are going to um, provide you with more mobility and flexibility um, or stability if you need it. We can work on balance. We can work on reactivity. We can work on, um, you know, not just strength. So yeah. I have a lot more flexibility as a personal trainer putting you through a strength training program than, you know, if you go to just a yoga class, which like a yoga class is great, but I always think of yoga, Pilates, spin, all of those things should be complementary to your two to four days of strength training. Mm-hmm if at all possible. Yeah. And if you hate strength training, then fine. There's just some benefits that you might not get. Well, I think that's such a good point. And that's uh, something I talk about with people in nutrition is there's always going to be trade-offs. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, if you don't like strength training, but you want to have this really strong toned looking physique, I mean, the trade-off might be you have to do something that you don't particularly like, or maybe you will start to like it more. Or you don't do the strength training if you hate it. And then you don't mm-hmm. get that toned physique. I mean, yeah, exactly. You know, Same thing with nutrition. We have these hard conversations and somebody will come to me and say, I want to lose 20 pounds. And then we'll start talking and they're unwilling to give up a bunch of takeout and restaurant food. And, you know, I'm like, there's only so much we can do manipulating food that you're not prepping in your own kitchen. Right. Like we exactly. don't know how many calories are in anything, how much oil they're using, so you could probably lose 10 pounds, but that extra 10 is going to require more trade-offs and more sacrifice. So mm-hmm. are you willing to make those or not? We can decide. And sometimes people choose to drop the 20-pound goal and just set a 10-pound goal, which is fine. Right. But I think there is sometimes this unrealistic expectation of, oh, I want to look like X, and then not really knowing what goes into it to look like X. Right. Everybody wants it to be what they want it to be. And yeah. it's, yeah. it just isn't, it, it is what it is. <laughs> right. I want to so, look like X yes. doing the things I want to do. And it's like, well, I mean, I wish I could give that to you, that magic mm-hmm. pill, like you're saying, but I'm yeah. sorry. I can't, How rich would so. you be? You know, you'd be yeah, you'd exactly. Be like... <laughs> That's what we need to come up with. And then right. take it to Shark Tank. We finally have the magic pill that yeah. everybody's been looking for. Yeah. You'd probably um, get killed for it. Probably. Um, <laughs> probably. I also like to look at it as, as practice sometimes, you know, like if you love taking some of these fitness classes, which they're all geared to make you have fun. Like, I mean, the environment, yeah. the energy, all of those things, they're really, that's their number one focus. Their secondary focus is the fitness, but the number one focus is to get you to feel amazing, feel like you're getting your money's worth, you know, walk in and, and be greeted by these like gorgeous people who make you feel like they're and they, they, you know, you're the best person in the, in the world. And then there's the fitness part. And if you love those, which you should, um, then, you know, there's certain things you might need to do like practice, you know, like if you're an NFL, you know, running back, you've got to practice in order to play your game. And so sometimes I just talk about it like that. Like you might not like the strength training. You might not like some of the stuff that you need to do to keep your body healthy. You might not want to do it every day, but if you want to play the game two, three days a week, then you're going to have to, or else you're going to suffer the consequences. Your body's going to break down. You're not going to be able to play anymore. Right. So 
I mean, those are, yeah. those are things we learn as a child, right? I mean, um, you got to do your homework before you go play. It's, it's not that much different. If someone's looking to set up a basic home gym, let's say targeted more towards strength training, mm-hmm. what must have equipment do you recommend that they purchase? Not a ton, to be honest, like just basics. I usually just ask people to have some resistance bands um, and then uh, a variety of dumbbells. Most people underestimate the weight, though, from the dumbbells perspective. Um, you know, fives are fine. Tens are fine. Eight and a, eights are fine. But you want to have something that's heavy, too. You want to have a 40 pound or a 60 pound dumbbell that you can use just to pick up and put down. Like it doesn't mean you're pushing it over your head or anything, but having a bigger weight that you can use to do some squats or some deadlifts with is always going to be handy. You want to have something that overloads your system and gives you a lot of um, um, vertical loading. And so, you know, I don't care how many reps you do with 10 pounds in your hand, it's not going to matter. I mean, you'll get benefit from that, but it's not going to give you the same type of benefit that a 60 pound or a hundred pound weight would. And I don't care if you can only lift it three or four times safely. That's totally fine. Um, so you do want to have something that's a little bit heavier. So usually my clients, I'll say like, get as many weights as you can between five and 15 pounds and then have like a 20, a 40 and a 60 that we can Hmm. use for different, different types of exercises, whether it be rows or deadlifts or, or squats. The five to 15 pound recommendation, is that for women or for men too? Um, mostly for, for both. I mean, it really okay. depends on how, how strong you are and, and, um, you know, how much experience you have weightlifting. Um, you know, if you're a bigger guy who's stronger, you might want to have a lot heavier weights, but, um, Got it. but usually that, it, that yeah. covers most people and especially beginners. What about kettlebells? Are you mm-hmm. a fan of kettlebell swings or owning a couple kettlebells? Yeah, I, I, I use the stuff. Um, for me, teaching somebody how to kettlebell swing is its own thing. Yeah. Um, so I may do it over the course of months with a regular client. But if somebody is looking to actually learn how to swing, then I would hire somebody to learn how to kettlebell swing because it does take a lot of practice. Um, and so if that's your priority, then you should do lessons to do that. Um, and I say that because it can take a while to learn. So, you know, if you get a hire a personal trainer, then that personal trainer, you don't want to be spending a ton of time trying to learn how to swing a kettlebell. Like it's valuable, but it's not that valuable. There's a lot of other things you can do. Um, you know, so you don't want to take up all of your training time trying to learn how to swing a kettlebell. Um, especially if you don't catch on that quick. So I would do something where I'm that if that's what you wanted to do, then that's what you're trying to learn. You're not trying to lose 30 pounds and learn how to swing a kettlebell. Mm. Um, but I like kettlebells. Um, they're very versatile. They do take some skill though to use. So again, do you want to spend a lot of time learning that skill? If so, then then you learn that skill. If you don't want to spend a lot of time learning that skill, then dumbbells are probably a better option. Got it. I don't know if that makes um, sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, since you have the background in nutrition and dietetics as well, mm-hmm. what do you tell clients who go to exercise first and foremost when they have a weight loss goal? Um, you know, I try to use the analogy where, you know, if 
if you're exercising and you're burning an extra, you, you may be burning an extra 250 to oh, 600 calories at the most, most like big dude working out hard. That's a couple cookies. <laughs> so <laughs> like, you know, there, you, you really can't outwork a diet, a poor diet. Um, you're, you're going to run yourself into the ground um, and you're not going to be happy about it. So, you know, the diet is, is so much easier when it comes to weight loss to, to, to manipulate your weight um, than exercise. Exercise should be there mostly a for health B to maintain muscle mass. Um, because if you are somebody who's trying to lose a lot of weight and you're in a calorie restriction and um, especially if you're doing a bunch of cardio, you know, your body's going to burn a lot of um, muscle. Like if you don't need that muscle, it's going to burn it. It would rather hold on to fat. Um, fat's more valuable to your, to your body than, than muscle is unless you tell your body you need muscle and you tell your body you need muscle by lifting things heavy. That's the yeah. signal to your brain that you need this. Your brain doesn't know why you're lifting it. It thinks you need to do it for survival. And so it's going to say, okay, we need to actually put a lot of energy into this muscle because this person's constantly lifting heavy things. And so you're going to more likely burn fat. That's a great way to describe it. I haven't heard it described exactly that way before. Yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, you, you're not going to burn enough calories working out unless you're so one of those people, like, you know, you got some of these, you know, CrossFitter people who are like working out for two, three hours a day or, yeah. or your Olympic athletes who are burning 10,000 calories a day. I mean, that's a little different, but your average person is not really in that in that category. So, um, you're not going to burn enough calories. Well, and I think, um, the fitness trackers, you said, you know, people become over-reliant on like their Apple watches or their Fitbit. Those can also be deceiving because I think they tell you, you burn more than you actually do. Yeah. And maybe even if you're not consciously doing it, if you see you burned 300 calories in a workout, you may subconsciously end up eating more to kind of, compensate for that of like, Oh, I worked out today. I've got to fuel my body or I've got to eat a lot more. Mm -hmm. So it can be a, if you're attaching exercise to the weight loss equation, it can be much more of an uphill battle. Right. I always like to say, you know, you exercise for your heart health, your mental health, for feeling more toned, feeling strong, your confidence, your body composition, all these amazing things. Mm -hmm. But then nutrition is where you go for weight loss specifically right. like just detach them completely in your mind and that can help yeah so when you lose a bunch of weight your butt doesn't disappear too yeah yeah there you go <laughs> well, there you go um a final question i ask each of my guests is in your opinion what does it mean to make the health investment yeah good question um i think that people just need to invest more time and energy and money in themselves um I think the investment goes a long way. We tend to sell ourselves short, um, not thinking, you know, maybe even putting other priorities ahead of, of, of ourselves or, or our health. And um, I think it just, when you invest in that, you wind up investing in all the other things that you think you're investing in, whether it's, mm. you know, spending too much time, spending way more time with your family and not putting any time into yourself. Like it's, it's the payoff when you put the time and the investment in yourself. Um, isn't just for yourself, but it's for everybody around you. It's for your work. You're more productive. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're more likely to be, um, 
in a better mood and um, have better energy. And there's just everything kind of winds up improving. Um, and so I think you don't just invest in yourself, you invest in all those other things. Um, mm. Instead of sacrificing yourself for those things in the immediate future. Mm. I think everybody I wins. That. Yeah, I love that. Where can listeners follow and find you and specifically enroll in your Better Butt Lab? Um, well, the easiest one is Instagram. Uh, that is at coach.ryanthomas is my handle. And um, I'll also add a link in the show notes. I'll have a, a quiz. Some of the common mistakes. Are you making some of these common mistakes when you're training your glutes or your butt? Um, so people will be able to take a little, it's a short, easy quiz, um, just a handful of questions for people. And um, I'll give them some answers and some ideas of, of you know, I'll, you know, pat on the back if they got the answers right, or um, if they're wrong, um, some of the things they may be able to to change to to make that better. So that'll be, um, I'll provide that for you so you can you can get that to them. Awesome. And then yeah. when do you open your enrollment to the Better Butt Lab? Is it a couple times a year or? Usually every three months. Um, so okay. my next, I usually open it up with a challenge. Um, so you'll have an opportunity to get on a wait list for the, for the next challenge. That challenge though is going to be after my baby's born. So yes, um, thank you. I'm waiting for um, the very end of June or the beginning of July will be the next challenge. And then I'll, I'll start the program right after that. Oh, cool. So then if somebody were following you on Instagram, they would just hear when the challenge opens up that will yeah. lead to the, the Better Butt Lab. For sure. Yeah, I'll definitely be announcing it on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your uh, knowledge and wisdom with us today. I've never had somebody speak specifically about butts, so this is exciting. <laughs> I'm glad to be the first. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I look forward to staying connected with you on Instagram, and I really encourage everybody to follow you over there because you do provide kind of a different take on training as I'm sure people picked up in your descriptions, but little tiny tweaks even of like, are you doing this workout this way or this exercise this way? Try this instead. And it's very helpful. So well, thank thanks you. for that content as well. And I look forward to staying connected. Of course. Me too. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the health investment podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.